Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here today, especially our guests who are with us. We're just grateful that you're here. Uh, we welcome those of you watching online from wherever you are in the world or listening to our podcast. Uh, we noticed last week that someone all the way in Moldova was watching our service. And so if you don't know where that is, y'all look that up. It's pretty cool. We also had a lot of people from Germany tuning in. So it's just neat how God gives us the opportunity through technology uh, just to worship God together. As Cole said, we're wrapping up our summer series, Summer at the Movies. I hope this has been a meaningful uh, set of sermon series for you. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. Kind of the way I look at it is Jesus taught with stories called parables, and I think movies can be kind of modern-day parables and can help illustrate some of the biblical truths that we find in the Bible. And so uh, it's just been a lot of fun, and I hope it's been a way for you to connect to God. Uh, we're going to wrap that up today with the Martian. And so I uh, just would invite you before we dive in to just join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's Word today, that we would all hear it and invite God's story to be part of our story. And while we're praying silently as well, just uh, maybe to continue to say another moment of silence uh, for all those in Houston, Texas who have been affected uh, by Hurricane Harvey. So let's, let's jump in and pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So astronaut Mark Watney had the uh, opportunity of a lifetime to get on a spaceship and travel all the way to Mars, the red planet. And he and his crew were there, and their overarching mission was to study the planet. They had scientists and botanists and uh, people dealing with geology, all that sort of thing, and were doing really well on the trip. But uh, they saw on their radar, their weather kind of radar thing that they had on Mars, that a big storm was coming, similar, I guess, to Harvey. Although without water, it's more just wind and rock. And so all this was coming and was pretty much going to wipe them out. And so they were evacuating, getting back into their little spaceship that's going to get them back up to the big one that's orbiting around the planet. And so uh, as they were getting ready to evacuate, the big storm hits and some of them get separated. And, and so Mark, this astronaut, uh, he gets knocked down and knocked out and, and his, uh, his sensors inside of his suit say that his life support is gone. And so his crewmates are just brokenhearted, but they don't have time to go and retrieve him. And so they begrudgingly have to board their ship, launch back into space, get on the big spaceship and start heading back to that long uh, journey back home to Earth. Well, the next thing that we see is the next morning and we're hearing some buzzers going off and it's inside of Mark's spacesuit. And the alarm is that the oxygen is running out and, and he wakes up and he is still alive. And he notices that some kind of the debris had kind of punctured through his suit and it had resealed itself. But now he's got to get back to his habitat, which they called the hab, where they live. And there's oxygen in there if it's still standing to try and survive. And so he makes it there. He gets into the airlock and he can take his helmet off and begin breathing again. Uh, and he just begins a whole series uh, of these unfortunate things that happened to him. Just all kinds of problems are going to haunt him for the rest of this story. And, and immediately he's got this piece of metal sticking through him. And so he has to perform some surgery on himself, which is really kind of gross and, and hard to look and watch. Uh, and then he has to determine, well, how am I going to contact NASA? Is that going to be possible? I only have like 30 days worth of food and, and they're not going to be coming back until four years from now. So how am I going to survive? But you know what? I'm a botanist. I know how to grow things. And 
So let's just take a, a quick look at you know, some of the ingenuity that he comes up with stranded on Mars. So that's pretty much how the whole movie goes. He figures out something good and then it blows up in his face. And so uh, it's just it's amazing to watch astronaut Mark do all of these things. And I was thinking about watching the movie and just kind of, you know, what's the overarching message? And I mean, I think, you know, obviously we think about his mission. His initial mission is like his, you know, his big picture, large uh, picture vision was to go to Mars and learn all that we can about Mars. And that suddenly changes to where his, his now his, his larger vision, his larger mission is survival. And within that, we begin to see several small missions that come up to, to lead into the overarching mission. The first of them is to go get oxygen. And then the next one is to commit, you know, perform surgery upon himself. And then he's got to contact NASA. Then he's got to figure out how to grow food, which he does figure out how to grow potatoes. He's got to figure out how to travel 2,000 miles to, to go where the, the group's going to come in four years and, and all this kind of stuff. And so little mission after little mission after little mission, right, to, to live into the overarching mission. And all throughout this, challenges come up. Right? He runs out of oxygen, he, he gets the ability to grow food, then the habitat blows up. And so just day in and day out, working towards this overarching mission, breaking it down into smaller, doable missions, and overcoming challenges. And it's just a really cool and exciting movie. And so if you have time to check that out, I think it's worth seeing. Because I do think that that kind of is a metaphor for life, that that we all have this overarching mission that we're supposed to be a part of, and then we, we can try to break that down into smaller segments. And, and ultimately, you know, things come up to get in the way and to challenge us, and we got to keep our eyes on where we're going. I, you know, I see that in my own life. I think about, you know, what is it? What's the larger mission? Why do I exist? Why am I on planet Earth? Why did God create me? And, uh, you know, it's come down to I think that God's called me to help lead other people to Jesus. And I believe that I'm, I'm called to do that. I've been an ordained pastor. Uh, and so now that's my full-time thing is to lead people to Jesus. That's like my overarching mission. I also have some other big missions within that. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And so, you know, that's an important part of my story. Important part of my mission is, you know, loving my wife, loving my children. And, and so that's a big part of who I am. And, and those are daunting missions. And so it, it helps me to kind of break them down into subsections, right? So if I want to be a great father, there's things that I want to try to do to help my children. I want to lead them to faith in Christ, to be a spiritual leader in our home. I, I want to teach them the value of education and why going to school is important. I, I want to teach them hygiene, why it's important to brush their teeth and to take baths and showers. I want to teach them respect of other people and, and that it's good for us to, to help others in the world. And I want to do all of this in some way, figure out a way where they don't kill each other along the way, because you know how it is with kids. And so, you know, trying to break the big mission down into smaller missions. And, and of course, just like the astronaut Mark, there are challenges that come up when we're trying to live into this mission or these many missions that God has given us. And so I noticed recently that my five-year-old Nathan, a great, great young man, uh, was having a few more meltdowns than is normal. And by meltdown, I mean when he's ultimately tired and just starts, you know, crying or gets mad or, or whatever and, and just needs some, some consoling. And so he was having a few more of those meltdowns than, than usual. So I began to think, well, what's going on in the, in the situation? And, you know, I do believe in the family systems idea that when somebody's stressed in the family, it's not just their stress, that they're taking on the stress of, of other people. And so I was talking to Laura, my wife, about it, and we were thinking about it. And, and there's a lot been going on in our family recently. And 
Uh, my oldest son, Luke, just started a new school this year for the first time, and it's a year-round school, so that's a new thing for us. And so he went back to school a month earlier than usual, and so that's added a lot of stress to our household, even though we're very excited about where he is. And Nathan is five, and he's starting kindergarten. He just started last week, and it went really well. But I'm sure he was looking at you know this whole new adventure in his life, not sure what was going on, and so you know that added a little bit of stress. And then you know things in our church are exciting and going really well right now. And you know I was working really hard to get ready for last week's town hall meeting. We had a lot of exciting things to share, some challenges that we're working through, and you know so I'm just working really hard and loving my job. But every job has stress, and so I'm sure I'm bringing some stress and anxiety home. And, you know, again, I love my job. This is not a complaint. And you all know how it is. You love your jobs, but you also have things to do and it makes you tired. And so you bring that home with you. And my wife, Laura, is at home with our boys and she's been at home with them all day, every day for the entire summer. And she loves them, but she's also glad that school's starting to have a break, to have some time to herself. And so when you stir all that stuff up, there's a lot going on And it's understandable why my five-year-old is acting out a little bit. And so one of my many missions as dad and husband is to say, let's just take a breath and have some fun and go do something fun. And let's talk about, hey, school started and that's something new. And let's let's talk about what that's going to look like and how that's going to affect us. And so you can see, and I'm sure you experience it in your own life, we're trying to do things that we think God's calling us to do. And challenges get in the way. And we just have to be flexible, and we have to deal with it, and we have to move forward. Right? It's also true in the Bible. Right? We, we see that God has all these awesome plans for people's lives in Scripture, and uh, things come up and challenge that. Think about a long time before Jesus was born, the people of Israel had moved down from their country of Israel down into the country of Egypt because there was a famine and, and there was food in Egypt and God had sent them there to take care of them. But the longer they stayed, the more the Egyptians forgot that they were friends with the Israelites and pretty soon they had enslaved the people of Israel and they were making them do manual labor and, and to make bricks out of mud and straw and then to build buildings and they became mean taskmasters and they would use whips and they would just take advantage of the Israelites and the people of Israel cried out to God, you know, hey God, is this all there is for us? Surely there's something more. You didn't just create us as the people of Israel to be slaves, did you? And so, you know what? God said, I'm ready. I'm ready to to let the people go. I'm, I'm ready to send them someone to help them. So God appeared to a man named Moses through this burning bush, this kind of crazy thing. And this is what he said, said to Moses. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So Moses now has this overarching mission to, to help the people of Israel get out of slavery and be free and go back to their homeland, right? That is a huge responsibility. It's an awesome mission that God has given Moses. Uh, and so he's wise and he begins to break that down into smaller missions, right? The missions within the grand missions, missions within the larger mission. And, and so he starts processing through that, right? He starts, well, I need to go and, and convince the people that maybe we should leave Egypt because some of them might not want to. And I need to go to the ruler of, of Egypt, the, the Pharaoh, and tell him that he needs to let us go. And, and if he doesn't, then God's going to you know, come in and, and do some things that are probably not going to be pleasant for Pharaoh in Egypt. And, and eventually he's going to have to lead the people out of Egypt into the desert. And he's going to have to go through the Red Sea and he's got to part that. And so all of these important missions are coming up. And, and all through that, Moses faced challenges, 
right? Some of the people of Israel are like, we don't want to go with you. That, you know, it'd be nice to be free, but this is all we know. Or, you know, Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not going to let you go. And, and then he changes his mind and says, yes, you can go. And then he changes his mind again and says, no, you can't. And he chases Moses and the people of Israel with his army. And they have to go through the Red Sea. And then they get in the desert. Well, what are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? And all that sort of thing. And so all of these challenges come up to Moses and the people of Israel because God has given them something important to do. And when God's doing something, there, there are evil forces in the world. And they will resist us. And so we have to, like we talked about last week, keep our eyes on the prize. What is it that God is calling me to do? I'm facing some challenges. I got to be flexible. I got to roll with it. I got to trust God and I got to press forward and lean on my support systems and lean on God and and keep going forward and, and break the big picture down into small pictures that are more manageable so that I can understand what to do. Okay, So now I want to take the attention off of the Martian astronaut who's trying to get back home to earth. I want to take it off me, the pastor, the father, the husband. I want to take it off Moses, this guy who's supposed to lead his whole nation out of slavery. I want to, and I want to flip the focus to you. And I want to ask you to begin asking yourself the question, what's my overarching mission? What's, what's the larger mission? Why has God created me? Because God has created you for a purpose. God has created you in God's image, which means that you're like God in a lot of cool and powerful ways. The Bible says that God has plans for all of us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope with the future. So what that means is, brothers and sisters, you're not a mistake. God has you in mind. God has needs for you. God has a plan for you. So I want you to say just out loud right now, I am not a mistake. I'm not a mistake. Say, God has plans for me. God has plans for me. So, so why have you been created? What special gifts and abilities do you have? What are you really good at? What is it that God has created you to do? Like, what's the big picture? Right? Are you a healer? Are you a teacher? Are you an encourager? Are you a builder? Are you an inventor? Are you a singer? What is it that God has given you? What gifts? What, what is it that this, this divine purpose, this larger mission that God has created you for? Because you're not a mistake. God has great plans for your life. And God has given you gifts and abilities to make this world a better place. So I guess the question then is, well, how do I know? I mean, that's pretty intimidating. I don't know about you, but a burning bush didn't just pop up and start talking to me like Moses. And if it did, I'd probably think I was crazy. And so how can we know what it is that God has created us for? Because that's, that's a pretty big subject. It's a pretty kind of intimidating thing. And I mean, I think a clue is, what are we good at? That's got to be part of it. If we have these gifts and skills and abilities, we don't have them by mistake. So what are we good at? That's a, that's a great place to start. But I would even go back further than that. I think the most basic thing is, have we asked God, God, why did you create me? You know, what is it that you want me to do? Why am I here? Right? That's a big question that everybody has, whether they believe in God or not. Why am I here? Why am I on the earth? What, what's going on with me? And we look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, where he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Just ask me. Right? God said, just ask me. 
right? I will help you understand what it is. I might not speak to you directly like I did to Moses, but I'm going to speak to you and keep your eyes and your ears open and and I'm going to speak to you. And the book of James says this, chapter four, you don't have because you don't ask God. Well, maybe we don't know what we're supposed to be doing because we're not spending time with God in prayer. And then James kind of gives us a, a caution. When you do ask, you don't receive because sometimes you ask with the wrong motives, right? God, what do you have in store for me? I hope it's being a really rich billionaire so I can just take it easy for the rest of my life, right? Maybe that's not what God's plan is, right? Sometimes it's like, God, make me an NFL player or make me a superstar ballerina, you know. Okay, God, these are some things that I would like to have happen, but can we surrender that? and Say, God, what is it? that you've created me to do. Why am I here, God? I, I, I got some ideas, but I need you to help clarify what that is. Right? And I think sometimes trying to figure that out, another question we can ask ourselves is, is well, what am I passionate about? Right? What stirs me up? What, what do I want to pour my life and energy in? And you know, if, if it is singing or if it is teaching or you know, if it is building stuff, whatever, you know, how can I use that to make the world a better place? Something that I'm passionate about, something that, that I'm really good at. But we have to be careful with our passion because sometimes we can be passionate about something. Uh, we can be good at something, but it might not be a godly thing. I think there's, there's people in our world who are passionate about making money by selling drugs. I think there's people who are passionate about controlling other people's lives and exploiting them through human trafficking, and they're good at it, right? And, and that's not good. And so I would temper the passion question with, with, with a, a phrase that Pastor Bill Hybels from up in Illinois coined really well, and he calls it holy discontent. What do we see in the world that's broken, and it really just drives us crazy, and we want to do everything that we can to fix it, right? We see that 22,000 children today in the world will die of hunger. We see that. It makes us sick and disgusted to our stomach when we see in America how much food we throw away. Maybe God's doing something in our heart to say, that gives me a great deal of holy discontent, and I don't know what it is, but I've got to do something in my life to change that. Or maybe it is we were bullied when we were a child in school and, and we know how hard that is and how difficult it is and, and we want to use our power and our, and our wisdom and knowledge as an adult to work in the school system as a counselor or as a teacher uh, or as a principal that, you know what, on my watch, I'm going to do everything in my power to help people not be bullied and to, and to help care for those who are bullied. So what is that holy discontent inside of us? You know what, I'm tired of turning on the television and seeing national, you know, natural disasters like Hurricane Harvey where people lose everything that they have. They're, they're washed out. They're, they're, they're literally dying. And you know what? I'm, I'm good at engineering. And could I, could I create a, a house that would be more you know, flood proof? Or you know, I like to plan things for cities. And could we create different infrastructures to have a quicker response time to things like this? And so you know, maybe it's that, that passion inside of us that taps into what we're good at that what is what God's calling us to do. Right? And sometimes, for me, I think I know what God's calling me to do. But it's so out there that I don't want to do it, right? It's like, okay, you want me to do that, God? That'd be great. Can't you call somebody else to do that? Right? That's what Moses did. 
And God said, I want you to save the people of Israel. He's like, that's great. I'd love for them to get out of captivity, God. But can you choose somebody else? Because I'm not really good at speaking. And so how can I go and talk to Pharaoh or to the people of Israel? How will they know that, you know, you sent me? And so Moses didn't want to do it. He knew it was going to be a hard, difficult thing. But God got through to him because that was God's plan. So in our lives, sometimes I think we know that God's calling us to do something. And it pushes us out of our comfort zone. Uh, and we just don't want to go there. Maybe God's calling me to move to a different part of the city or move to a different state to, to do what he's created me to do. Maybe God's calling me to, you know, to quit my job and, and go work at another place where I'm more at home and feel more passionate and make more of a difference, and I'm going to lose some income. You know, maybe God is calling me today to have a difficult conversation with somebody that I care about, and, and, and that's what I know that God's calling me to do. And And yet I just, I don't want to do that. So sometimes in our lives, I think God speaks really clearly. It's just God's pushing us out of our comfort zone. Are we willing to go where God is pushing us? I think another way to figure out what God's calling us to do is to ask people, godly people who know us well, what they think. Hey, hey, Fred, you know me, or Sue, you know me, and you know I'm really trying to figure out this next part of my life or my overarching mission, why God has me here, and you know me well. You know God. You know, this is some of the stuff I'm hearing. What do you think about that? You know, that's why it's important for us to, to be in small groups in the church and, and have people that we love and trust and who are dialed into Jesus and they can, they can help give us feedback. And maybe another question to ask is, if I don't do this, who will? If, if I don't do what I think God's calling me to do, then, then who will do that? So why did God make you? What does God have in store for you? Like big picture stuff. And sometimes it changes, Right? Sometimes it's going to change. And, and some of us are like, well, I just retired. Well, God's not through with you yet, right? What's the big picture for you right now? And the next question I would, I would say is, well, you know, what is my current mini mission within the bigger mission, right? How do, do I break this down into what do I need to do this year? What do I need to do this month? What do I need to do this week? What do I need to do today? And right, this for me is like the most helpful part of it, right? Being a pastor to lead people to Jesus and being a father and a husband, right? Those are daunting, overwhelming things. And so I need for God to break those down into like many missions, right? Like the astronaut, he, he had to get the surgery. He had to get the, the food. He had to get the communications to NASA. What is it right now in our life that God's calling us to? Right? You, you might be a teacher and that might be what God's calling you to do, but you have a real passion to help starving children will come with us next Sunday and we're going to pack meals with Sharon Presbyterian Church. We're going to pack 15,000 meals. Maybe your mini mission that allows you to feed hungry children and still be a teacher for a full-time job here in Charlotte is to come with us and let's feed 15,000 people, right? And so, so to me, this is exciting, right? We can, we can be a part of God's, God's bigger plan in these small chunks and we might not have to move across the country. We might can stay where we are now, right? So, so what is the most immediate mission within the mission that God's got you doing? And I think that's a really exciting opportunity uh, and it gives me a practical way of focusing on what's next. And I think the, the next thing we need to just kind of remember is to expect, you know, expect challenges, because when we're doing the work of God in the world, there is evil in the world and it will resist us and it will try to frustrate us. And we've got to stay the course. We've got to lean on each other, be in support groups. We've got to keep our eye on where we're going. We've got to be flexible and we just got to kind of roll with the punches, right? We talked a lot about this last Sunday. If you missed that sermon, you can go back on our website and see that, right? 
So anyway, we've created this kind of summary slide for you. If you want to take a picture of this, this is like what I really would want you to go home today and wrestle with, right? This day, the rest of the week, right? What's my larger mission? How do I know what that mission is, right? Looking at those specific passages of Scripture, what's my current mission within the larger mission? And, and what challenges are coming my way, right? And so if, if you got it all figured out, that's awesome. Don't write it down. Don't take a picture, but it might change, right? So... What's God calling you to do in general and specifically right here and right now? So our church, right? Our mission, we see it as a vision, is that God has called us to be the spiritual crossroads of South Park, leading people to life rich in Christ. And that's an awesome vision. It's an awesome mission that God has given us. And it's daunting. It's huge. It's, it's overwhelming. And so that's an exciting thing. And so, you know, we try to break that down. What does rich life look like in Jesus? What does it mean to be a spiritual crossroads of an entire community? And so, you know, we have missions within the mission. We want to have excellent worship. And we want to have ministries that disciple children and students and adults through small groups. And we want to have community outreach to where we're feeding hungry people and we're helping marriages that are in trouble and we're helping broken families. We're fighting against human trafficking in our own city, right? So we have these different sub-missions within the larger mission and we face all kinds of challenges, right? We face all kinds of challenges. One of them was, you know, we're rebuilding our campus and so where are we going to worship? Let's go to the theater. We believe God called us here to be an intersection of the sacred and secular. We're figuring out what it's like to worship in a theater. We've had some land issues kind of, you know, come up in our, in our, re, in redoing our campus, right? We've worked through those. And so, you know, challenges come, but we keep our eyes on where God's calling us, and we move towards that because ultimately we believe that, that the vision comes from God. And we see that uh, in, in two passages in the New Testament where Jesus is talking specifically. The first is in Matthew chapter 22 where somebody asks Jesus, there's, there's over 600 commands in the Bible, which is the most important? So Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. So Jesus says, I'll boil it all down into two things, love God and love people, right? That's not so much a touchy-feely feeling. It's how we treat people. Love God with our actions. Love God, you know, love people with our actions and our hearts are going to follow that, right? And then in Matthew 28, Jesus says this, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus says the overall mission for every Jesus follower, every Christian, boils down to three things. So this should be a part of all of our overarching mission if we follow Jesus, love God, love people, and make disciples, right? We kind of use the term the triangle. There's three things, love God, love people, and make disciples. Because ultimately, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Because God sent Jesus into the world for a very specific reason. And that was to give us a way back to God. Because all of us have been created in God's image, which is beautiful and it's good. And we can do a lot of things like God. And, but we also have kind of stained that image with what the Bible calls is sin, and that's just disobedience. That's where we do things that break relationship. We break relationship with God, and we break relationship with each other. And the consequences of broken relationships, so we carry around a lot of baggage, a lot of guilt, and a lot of shame. We feel bad about the stuff that we've done. 
We experience brokenness and separation from the people in our lives that, that we should be loving and caring for. We, we separated from God. The Bible uses the word hell for that. We're separated from each other. We're going to die one day, and that's not how Jesus planned it. So that's why he came to the earth, to offer us a way back. And when he died on the cross, he took all that junk upon himself. He took all of our sin and our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell upon him. And he defeated it all when he came back to life. So that now we can be forgiven. Now our shame and guilt can be replaced with joy and peace. And I mean inner peace. That Even when the world's falling apart right now, that we know down deep somehow God's with us and we're going to be okay. right? And, and we can live life to the full. That God has created us to be a part of something bigger than who we are. And we can make this world a better place. And we can love big. And we can live big. And we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. right? That's why Jesus came. That was his mission. Right? To, to win us back to God. And that, that we can all have that. And our most important mission is saying yes to that. Because Jesus won't force it down our throats. He's just saying, this is how much I love you. Right? I died on a cross. I came back to life. I gave up heaven. I, I all came for you. Because you're not a mistake. And I have plans for your lives. And I'm here to save you from sin and death and hell. And I want to give you life to the full. I want to give you the ability to make this world a better place. I want you to live in loving relationships, to be rich in relationships. I want you to live forever with me in heaven. But that's our choice. So astronaut Mark, after all these misadventures, here's a spoiler alert. He makes it back to earth, okay? Still worth seeing the movie. And this is the final scene that I just think is really powerful. They saved me because that's what we do. Spend millions of dollars, risk the lives of other astronauts to come back for one person. Why is that? Because that's what we do. And I love the beginning scene that we looked at when he was trying to figure out how to create fire so that he could grow food to literally save his life. And what did he use? He took a wooden cross. I don't think that's by mistake. Because ultimately, the mission of Jesus is to save us. To save us from sin and death and hell and separation. To save us for life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of heaven and, and making a difference on this earth. And, and our greatest mission in the world is, is to receive that first for ourselves and then to share it with people who don't have it. Jesus told a story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and, and 99 were safe and one was lost. And, and he risked everything to go and find the one sheep, right? Just like the astronaut said, right? All these people spend all these millions of dollars, risk their lives for one person. Why is that? Because that's who we are. That's what we do. That's who Jesus is. And that's what he does. He left heaven to come to earth. He died on a cross agonizing. He came back to life for you, right? You're the one person that he did that for. You're worth it. But he did it for us all. So our overmarching mission is to point people to Jesus. Because Jesus saves, and that's what he does. And we have the wonderful privilege of being a part of that. They can pray on that in the name.